Sneaker Love, a podcast paying tribute to our mutual love of sneakers. The game may be flawed, but the love and culture will always be pure. And now, your host with Sneaker Love, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sneaker Love with Matty Ice. I am your host, Matty Ice, and this is, as always, a Matty Ice Media Network production. How's everybody doing this week? It's another great week of heat. We just had Halloween over the weekend. My son was an owl. I wore some All Hallows Eve off-white blazers, which are just absolute fire. I want to appreciate everybody who took part in that poll to kind of help me decide what I... what was the best choice for me i was leaning toward the all hallows eve and the audience as always uh, came through with a great poll uh first of all to get in touch with the show it is instagram maddie ice sneakers as always i'm trying to post as much content as i can but really there is where i try to highlight some other great uh, sneaker content folks for you and of course twitter at maddie ice media is the handle and check out maddieicemedia.com the podcast library section specifically for all of your maddie ice media podcasting needs last Last week we talked about Virgil Abloh. We're continuing to put the puzzle together of what I think is what is the current sneaker culture today. And there's so many different facets that go into what is considered quote sneaker culture. But I do believe that there are a semblance of individuals that sort of put together, help create the foundation of what is today's sneaker culture. So we talked about Virgil Abloh last week and Virgil Abloh is connected with Off-White being the CEO. He's of course the creative director at Louis Vuitton, but he is responsible for some of the most iconic collaborations of the last five years. And I'm specifically speaking to the Off-White, the 10 collection. There have since been other shoes that have released as a part of the Off-White and Nike collaboration that people are going to remember some of my personal favorites are the off-white dunks that he came out with that paid homage to the be true to your school collection that was way back in like 1986 but anyway i talked about the fact that virgil was an artist and that his eye for fashion and his high his vision for art is what really allowed sneakers to become an avenue or a medium to bring high art to the masses And while not every collection is necessarily something that people, specifically sneakerheads, are going to look at and say, yeah, those are absolute fire. There's so many that come out now that people are trashing them left and right. But I said that the vision behind them, the emotional connection as to why he was putting a particular vision on top of a silhouette was going to lend itself to basically making sneakers or embodying the idea that sneakers themselves are art these days. And that differed from the way that people like Travis Scott were putting their vision on it because they were taking something that had already existed and really making minor tweaks to them and putting some branding on them that didn't make them stand out enough from other shoes but made them stand out enough for their particular brand. And they have some nice shoes. I mean, Travis Scott's uh, high OG mochas are, are, are excellent, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's reinventing the wheel as it relates to sneakers in general. And also in that episode about Virgil Abloh, I mentioned that he had a connection to some other folks that had done some really great work in the sneaker community. One of those was Kanye West. Now say what you want about Kanye. He certainly has a very complicated legacy as a human being, obviously with all of his political antics with this last election, the stuff with Kim Kardashian. There's just so many things that you can point to uh, that really could make you question whether Kanye West is really all there in the head or not. But I think what can't be said is that Kanye has not had an impact on the sneaker community at large. So obviously the connection between Virgil and Kanye is very, very meaningful because in my mind, they're both trying to accomplish much of the same goal or the same goals, but I think that they're going about it completely differently. And I think that obviously the the being with different companies sort of helps to sort of bring art or this idea of eclectic 
uh, design to all sneakerheads because you're taking Nike and you're taking Adidas and obviously that covers a huge portion of the market share. But where Virgil went straight to fashion, Kanye really didn't do that right away. Kanye was a hip hop artist and of course with his uh, debut album of College Dropout, which was an excellent album, he gave himself a platform to do a great many things through his success as a hip hop artist. And one of the first shoes that he ever had his hands on was the A Bathing Ape collaboration that he did on the college dropout Bapesta, if that's how you pronounce it. Pardon me uh, if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. But I think what that did was it obviously allowed the world, and I mean the sneaker world, to see that Kanye West obviously had an eye for the design, if you will, or being able to put a collaborative and artistic spin on something that was mundane as sneakers. I mean, obviously sneaker community had come a long way by then with all of the Air Jordan lines and so forth, but I don't think it had become quite what it is today, where so many different artists, so many different musicians and just celebrities are being given the opportunity to put their artistic vision on an already existing shoe. Now that particular shoe is basically taking a Nike Air Force One and transitioning it a little bit to some very specific BAPE marketing strategies. Obviously having the ape instead of air on the outsole where you would traditionally see that on the Air Force One low and high. And of course the star instead of the swoosh where you would normally see that on the side of the Air Force One. So you're taking an already iconic silhouette, the Air Force One, and lending some more, I don't want to say hip, that's for lack of a better word, uh, you know, components to it, but you're obviously giving it a more futuristic look by bringing it to the present. So you're obviously taking an old shoe and giving it something contemporary in order to identify it with the people that are looking to buy it today. And it's one of the most sought after quote unquote grails, I think, or unicorns out there. There's not met that many of them. I don't see them rep very often, although it is a really, really neat concept, but obviously that brought him to the forefront. And of course, obviously interning at Fenty with Virgil Abloh and working with Don C, there's all of that Chicago connection. But I think what you see is there's three different visionaries that have allowed, have been allowed essentially to put their a stamp on the sneaker community. And Kanye, in my mind, has had one of the most influential stamps because he's had influence at both Nike and at both Adidas. So let's bring ourselves to 2009. He's obviously with Fenty. He's done his, his internship there and he's been working with Virgil Abloh, who has had an eye for fashion and eye for design ever since he was an architect, a student at the Illinois Institute of Technology and obviously working with Don C who has put his own stamp on the sneaker community he he gets a chance to work for Louis Vuitton and why do I think that this is significant well up until then I think high-end fashion or high-end uh, brands like Louis Vuitton really didn't mesh with I think most of the sneaker community today when you look at it you think well duh of course they do because streetwear and Louis Vuitton like the price points are really not that dissimilar and we're trying to mesh a lot of high-end brands with brands like Nike to sort of I guess speak to a larger audience in some respects, although the price points aren't necessarily favorable, the, the barriers to entry are quite high. But he lended his design eye to three uh, three trainers, if you will, with the Louis Vuitton line, and he named them after three different people within his inner circle. One of them was Don C, the other one was Ivan Jasper, and the other one was Mr. Hudson. Now, the interesting part, if you go back and look at what those look like, they look very, very similar to shoes that he would come out with later on when he started first collaborating with Nike. But what I think it did was it allowed for high-end fashion to sort of be seen as something, quote, regular, right? Because I think when I thought of brands like Louis Vuitton or Gucci, 
or Dior. They were well out of my price range. I was a first working uh, in, in my adult life. I wasn't making a lot of money. My parents were never able to afford that kind of stuff. So of course it was living in a world that I just did not relate to. But by making it a sneaker, even something that was so highly priced as that, I think it started to carve a path for what we see today, which is a lot of high-end inspiration, high-end materials from these high-end companies on something as sort of everyday person like sneakers are. So then Kanye starts working with Nike. Now this is where things get really interesting to me. He comes out with the Air Yeezy 1. Now the Air Yeezy 1 is very much something that changed the entire game at Nike for many, many different reasons. The first being, if you look at those Louis Vuitton collaborations that he did, and then you look at the Air Yeezy 1, you can see a lot of similarities between the two. It was almost like the interim vision between taking high-end fashion, the eclectic nature of high-end fashion, and melding it with what Nike had to offer, which was an athletic brand. Yes, the Air Jordan model existed. Yes, the Nike Dunk and Nike SB lines were existent by then. But you have to remember is they were catering to more performance-based folks, basketball players and skateboarders. While there were a lot of fashionable trends going on as related to how these shoes looked and how they were being sold, in my mind, we hadn't gotten to the point where sneakers were being almost solely created for the point of street people and artistic wear, stylizing, and so forth. I think they were still trending in a very technical sense back then because Michael Jordan really wasn't that far off from playing if you really, really think about it. So Nike is now looking like a Louis Vuitton shoe. So you kind of have created the two and it created a lot of what we consider buzz and hype around this shoe. It was something we'd never really seen from Nike. And then comes the Air Yeezy 2. Now the Air Yeezy 2 is actually one of my favorite silhouettes of all time. Uh, the pure platinum colorway is just absolutely beautiful. But why was this such a big deal? Well, it took the athletic portions of some of Nike's lines, which the, really the one we're talking about is the Nike AirTech Challenge. It took the strap, which you saw on the Air Yeezy 1, you saw on the Louis Vuitton shoe, and it had a much more athletic look. It took a glow-in-the-dark sole, in the, in the case of the, the pure platinums anyway, and it was a sole from an athletic shoe. And then it had, obviously, that Egyptian... Uh, inspiration behind it with the Horus on the tongue and the Egyptian script underneath the the, uh, the strap and it had high-end materials with those scales it basically looked like a high-end shoe that was actually from the Nike sportswear line so it took high fashion and performance and put them together in a way that was more accessible than it had ever been even at a high price point the Air Yeezy 2 was something attainable to a lot of people whereas those 900 1100 1200 shoes that he named after people in his inner circle those weren't attainable. The Air Yeezy 2 was attainable. And this is where I think things got a little bit crazy. So obviously the Solar Reds come out, the Pure Platinums come out, and then something happens between Kanye and Nike that severs their relationship. And it was a big deal back then because if you think about where Kanye has gone now and where he could have gone had he stayed at Nike, it really changed a lot about sneaker culture to the fact that I think Adidas elevated itself to being on point as a brand with Nike. Like they're almost seen as equivalent. And what you now have is you have Nike people and you have Adidas people, or you have people like me who will wear either because a nice shoe is a nice looking shoe. But after Kanye leaves, what is considered in my mind one of the most uh, infamous shock drops of all time. One day, randomly in 2014, Nike tweets out the Red Octobers 
are up for sale or something like that. And they sell out almost instantly. And it was a colorway that had been rumored. Kanye had worn it at concerts, which by the way, he did a lot of with the Air Yeezy line. So many samples that are out there, so many unicorns of that particular shoe that people wanted to see released that never got released. There's so many what ifs that come with the Nike and, and Kanye marriage that was so short lived, but man, was it intense because so much happened with it. So the Red Octobers all of a sudden drive hype to a ridiculous level. And if you think about shock drops that happen now, the amount of information that we have at our fingertips, you basically had to be at the right place at the right time. It predated what we now know as social media today. And even though place, things like Twitter, things like Facebook existed, they were not nearly what they are today. The amount of information that gets passed through these social media platforms in terms of hype that gets people excited. Think about what Sneaker News does. No hate on Sneaker News whatsoever, but they post about every shoe that's coming out, they get early looks of shoes, and there's so much hype that gets driven from the first second that you see a shoe. We didn't really get that as much back then, and it's not even that long ago, but that's really how things have changed from then until now. So the Air Yeezy 2 happens, people are excited, and then all of a sudden, Kanye leaves. So Kanye leaves and goes to Adidas. And you have to ask yourself at this time, what can he do to possibly follow up on what he's done? What is Adidas going to allow him to do or give him the freedom to do that is going to continue to evolve and change the sneaker game? And at first, he doesn't really do a whole lot. Obviously, the 750s come out and they're a nice boot-looking shoe. I mean, they look comfy and cozy, but they, again, look very similar to what he's already done. The Air Yeezy 2, the Louis Vuitton shoes, the Air Yeezy 1, all of those have a very similar aesthetic or design aesthetic to them, straps over them, right? They still look... Uh, you know, the, these look a little bit more like Ugg boots in my opinion, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Not much of a difference there. And all of a sudden, I think it was in 2013 or 2014, somewhere in there, finally Kanye comes out with something that changes the game. And in my mind, it was the Yeezy 350. The Turtle Dove colorway was one of them, but the 350 in general took performance and comfort and put them together, right? This is a, around the time when all of that prime knit stuff, or that's what they call it uh, at Adidas, but the knitted shoe craze was big. I was a runner back then and knitted shoes were all the craze and I was so hesitant to use them for running, but for everyday fashion and comfort, you bet that would be something that'd be comfortable and honestly desirable. It really changed the game. The 350 and the 350 V2 are some of the most sought after and honestly most released sneakers in terms of colorways and, and accessibility today. And then he lent itself to the 700, which brought back chunky dad shoe aesthetic. It made that cool. So all the shoes that you thought about that your dad wearing when he cut the grass, your gray New Balances, to me it lent credence to the fact that those could be cool. It made those something that were hyped and in the mainstream eye to the point today that in my mind, there's so many different shoes that I would consider lame that our hype beasts are eating up. And I think Crocs are a great, great example of that. And it doesn't matter now because of this, in my mind, anything is going to be considered cool. But dad shoes for the longest time were never considered cool. And to me, it opened up the eyes of so many sneakerheads to understand that so many different shoes could be considered cool. And that's something that maybe doesn't have a particular aesthetic to it, the way that we've always thought about a cool looking sneaker being like, it can actually be cool. And I think of the Wave Runners. I mean, they were highly panned on the internet. And once they dropped, they're one of the most sought after Yeezys on the resale market out there. They're so comfortable. They look fantastic 
and it has lent itself to even more designs. 700 V2s, the statics I think about, the inertia V1s. I mean, a lot of people like the mobs. I don't particularly like them, but I can understand the allure to them. And it's just gotten so much more evolved since then to where you know Kanye has come out and said that he wants Yeezys to be accessible to everybody. Now I will say this about them. The barriers to entry in terms of price are very, very high. Like if you wanted a 700, it was $300. If you wanted a, v, a V2, 350V2, it was like $220. So obviously they're asking very, very high prices for something that maybe doesn't seem justifiable. But the idea is that they've released so many different colorways and so many different iterations of the same type of shoe that it has in some way made it so that people have more accessibility to them. His dream of killing the resale market by flooding the market with them has not come to fruition because unfortunately these companies like Nike and Adidas understand how to continue that hype and they limit supply and that's why the resale market is what it is today. But Kanye's vision has actually evolved to sustainable materials with the 450s and other silhouettes that he's coming out with that I personally think are very, very ugly, but they obviously speak to a large pre market presence because people are still buying them, they're selling out, and Kanye is coming out with more and more designs that are basically lending itself to a larger vision. And when I said that Virgil was an artist who was giving his vision to sneakers and he didn't really care whether people thought they were hyped or were going to wear them, he obviously wants to make money off the sale. But I think in his mind, it's the artistic vision and making sneakers about art. And I think Kanye is very much doing a similar thing. I just don't think that we perceive it that way because so much of what he is doing seems weird, but it's going in a different direction. But it's ill-advised to confuse Kanye's personal eccentricities with his art artistic vision and I think that what he is trying to do and what he has accomplished in the sneaker game is something that you can't take away from him. Yeezys are all over the place to the point that different types of and demographics of people have them and think that they are cool and think that they're comfortable and there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about a recognizable brand without actually having the brand on it. Like when you see a Yeezy you know what it looks like. You don't have to see three stripes. You don't have to see Adidas on it. You know that it's a Yeezy because he has made his vision so iconic that it's recognizable and I think that that's where he and, and Virgil are very very similar is they want their vision to be lent to something that's speaks to so many different people. You don't have to go to an art gallery to see high art or fine art. You can see it on people's sneakers in your neighborhood. And I think that is lending credence to sneakers being something that will stay around for a while because you're seeing so many people wear them on the red carpet, celebrities wearing them, and they just like the designs to the point that these visions of these folks are lending to the fact that sneaker culture is so much more vast. And it speaks to the reason why I love it in the first place, inclusivity. There is something for everybody. And while today the barriers to entry are very high with the resale market, the vision is there. And I think at some point in time, we will see the sneaker market reverse itself to where it was, to where everybody can be involved and you don't have to pay exorbitant resale prices to be able to get in. But I think you can thank Kanye partially for that, mainly because I think what he is trying to do is make it so that accessibility is killing the market and people who want them can get them. And eventually, I think we will get there. But I have to give Kanye credit for the fact that his designs are iconic, his thoughts are iconic, and even if they're not something that I'm personally into, they clearly speak to a large volume of people because they're buying it. Kanye's making a ton of money, and he continues to be given the platform and the creative freedom to make his own designs reality. And there's something to be said about that in today's world.
What is your favorite Yeezy silhouette? Is it the 350, is it the 700, or is it one of these off-the-wall 450s that people seem to be eating up these days? Let me know. Connect with me on Instagram, connect with me on Twitter. I'm always willing to talk sneakers with you. Um, Kanye, I think, has an in left an indelible mark on the sneaker community, and I think we have to recognize that. We're gonna continue our journey next week. I'm not really sure where we're going to go, but there's definitely a lot of names of folks that we could talk about. But in my mind, to me, the next progression when you think about all this hype is Nike SB and the Dunk. It doesn't have to be an SB Dunk. It could be Dunks in general, but I think about Nike SB, I think about the Dunk. And honestly, I think that there's so many different you know, designs that we've had on it. But to me, it speaks to the hype machine about bringing something back from old, the old days and adding today's hype onto it. And then you'll see what we get, which is a flooding of the market and not necessarily, again, enough to go around. So we'll discuss that next week or in the weeks coming. I appreciate everybody's time this week. I appreciate your your listening ear. It really means a lot to me. The support has been wonderful at the beginning of this show, and we're still one of the top rated shows on Good Pods in the arts in the arts category. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Check out MattySmedia.com for the other podcasts that we support, like the manual and political football, of course. And as always, hug your loved ones, folks. We don't get a lot of time with them. I will talk to you next week, folks. Peace. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Sneaker Love are those of Matty Ice and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Matty Ice Media Network does not condone the purchase or sale of any counterfeit goods. Sneaker Love with Matty Ice is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network. <laughs>